Episode 119 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about our highlights at Gen Con 2023. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam interviews Aaron and I about what we did at Gen Con 2023. Even though this was our third Gen Con, it felt like the first one of the rest of our lives. We settled into our groove, had a balance of wandering and events and hanging out with friends, and we're so excited we can continue to call Gen Con our home convention until 2030. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself, Adam, and Aaron talking about Gen Con 2023. All right, that's the theme song to the show I just made up where I am going to be the host. My name is Adam. I'm going to be interviewing some local uh, Gen Con goers yes. and attenders. Those two people are going to be Kelly and Aaron, people you're very familiar with. Welcome, hey, Kelly and Aaron, to the, the show without any name. You're listening right. to. Ah, yeah. So we're going to talk about a handful of different things. We've talked about Gen Con a lot, and this is going to be a nice little kind of summary. So, as the person that did not go, mm-hmm. what I really want to do is kind of get some some of the inside scoop, some of the summaries, <laughs> some of the opinions from two of uh, my closest friends and finest. Gen Con goers that exist. So well, let's start off with some food for thought. And that thought is food. So let's <laughs> talk about the food of Gen Con. So did you guys mostly eat inside Gen Con, outside Gen Con, kind of a mix? More inside Gen Con. Yeah, I think Okay. if you put all the food I ate that was purchased at the Indiana Convention Center concession stands and you put it on a scale next to all the food I ate not there, I think the ICC food wins. You're going for weight. Volume. Volumetrically, yeah. Okay. Okay. So so you, which was better? Nope. That volume and weight are not the same. I understand. No. By weight, correct. By weight. Okay. Okay. So what was better? Which one did you like more? Oh. You know, I think the best food I had was that lamb curry from the gentleman who was set up on the second floor of the ICC. Which that was new as far as I know. Correct. Usually inside of at least last year and the year before that I can recall, they're like these concession stands that are both inside the hall itself on the edge. There's a place where you can eat. And then in uh, like in the place where all the booths are, there's a second part to the hall. It's all these long tables and all kinds of, there's usually demos and things going on out there. Sometimes there's some things being sold out there, but not usually And there's some stands that are kind of built in, again, to the convention itself. And they're selling things like hot dogs, hamburgers, fries. I assume. We haven't eaten there a ton. There's also a place like that that's in the front, like looking out at Georgia Street, actually built into the structure of the convention. This time, there were in the upstairs, in the hallway, there was like a little place to get like chips and drinks and stuff like that. I also saw a place in the hallway if you were headed to Lucas Oil that had like ice cream and maybe some other oh, snacks. Yeah. Ice cream and the worst espresso looking machine ever. But also in the hallway by the snacks upstairs was like an Indian food stand. And it was sort of like catering. If you imagine what would be brought for catering, kind of just like hot, uh, yeah. like hot pans and you kind of scooping things out. And it was delicious. It was super Mm. fast to get because people didn't know about it. By the time Sunday rolled around, there was a line. But earlier in the, they didn't make it there Thursday. On Friday, there was like no line. Delicious Indian food. 
Yeah. It was awesome. And I feel like there should be more local restaurants that get to come in, stand in the hall of Gen Con and have like a catering. They just get to bring catering style stuff, things that just can be kept warm on those like hot plates yeah. Yeah, and serve that up so that one more of the local companies get that economic impact of $75 million that they say that it brings to our city places that are further yeah. up that I think are better than the ones that are downtown. And also for the attendees, Sure, they have the food trucks and everything outside, and that is nice. Um, this week, it's gotten cooler here in Indy by a little bit. Last week, it was really hot. <laughs> so yeah. standing out there in line, you're getting all sweaty, and you're trying to then go to your next event, and you have a long day. It can be a bit much. So having some options that are in there, just the time to move from place to place. If there's somebody there selling delicious food on your way to your event, like that food gets even more delicious because you actually got to eat it and it was convenient and you didn't have to wait for an hour right. or walk 20 minutes to and from and wait for 10 minutes, whatever the case may be. That's a really good point because yeah, we usually categorize food at events like this as like quick food or slow food, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to take the time to sit down and eat a 30 minute or more meal or you're yeah. going to grab chicken fingers on the go, you know? And so it sounds like this Indian place was kind of the best of both worlds, if I'm summarizing correctly. Yeah, it was kind of the best quick food and the best slow food because they had put in the time to slowly cook it wherever else. They have a restaurant. I'm not even sure which restaurant it was affiliated with. I don't know if, I think it just said like Indian Cafe or something on their sign. And I don't know if that was just the cart that was made or if that's really the name of the restaurant, wherever it might be. Um, But yeah, I think those quick food options also usually aren't, very healthy or like it usually pretty processed because yeah. it's just been something that's fried or reheated, able to serve a whole lot of it at once. Whereas the slow food is maybe fresher things. And I think the Indian food was a really good in between of those two. Now I will say in terms of fast food, yeah, there was a concession stand. We were typically eating at non meal times. So there was a concession stand that was on our way to many things. And typically when I was hungry, had no line and no weight. Where was this? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I think just on the first level. And so I'm asking Adam, how many bratwurst do you think I ate during Gen Con? Oh, there is. There's another. You're right. Underneath the escalators. Yeah. Kind of around the corner from where the main hall is. There's a concession stand. And it had the feeling of that nobody works there until there's an event. And the people that then work there were trained for about three minutes before the doors opened. And, and are just are there to facilitate food. I had pizza there and it was all right. So h- how much was the bratwurst there? I don't know how much the bratwurst were. I think $7. Yeah, mm. maybe. Uh, so I think you had three bratwurst over the course of the event. I, I had 3.75 bratwurst. Oh. What, what was the one quarter? Did The bite that I took? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. At least no one's keeping score in this uh, podcast or marriage. So I, I didn't think that it was a fourth, but three, that's I, fine. I, 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 three, I didn't know it would I, come up later. I had 3.85 Browers. All right. right. I had wow. one bite. Okay. Wow. It's, uh, was it good? Was it good Browers? It was fine. It was fine. It wasn't worth having 3.75, but it was food and mm-hmm. it was there one of the people we hung out with uh said that they always joke about how little caesars doesn't ever say that it's good pizza they say that it's hot and ready and sometimes the legal department i'm sure is like say hot (laughs) say ready right sometimes that is good then becomes a definition of what you need at that time so sometimes Mm -hmm. hot and ready even which the brats were 
All right, then that's the food. Okay, so was there any other highlights on like the the food? Um, Because you went outside of the city as well, correct? Or like not outside of the convention center, I mean, not outside the city. We went outside a little bit, and I will say it was a bit of a hassle. It was a little late. There was one night where we were trying to get dinner and it was probably 1030, 1045 when we're leaving the convention center. And we thought we'll go out a little further into Fountain Square. There's places open till midnight or one. We'll be able to get something to eat. And turns out that the kitchen just closes at 11 everywhere. And they're just done serving actual food, I guess. I mean, good for the cooks in their union that they're not working those late hours. I'm proud of them. I'm happy for them. Uh, Didn't go great for us finding food. So we eventually came back more into the city on the other side from the convention center and had uh, some food at Chatham Tap, which is sandwiched between two bars and their late night menu is not their full menu. So it was not great. We did make it back out to Upland. That was one of the places Mm -hmm. we tried uh, in Fountain Square and it was delicious. We did that basically after the convention on Sunday. Uh, But yeah, didn't venture out too much. And then we stayed, we being locals, we stayed at home. I got things for breakfast at home before the convention started and thought, oh, I'm going to wake up and have this breakfast, whatever. That was a nice thought that never happened. So there's still yeah. some frozen mini pancakes, uh, some chicken yeah. apple sausage, and some eggs that I've been enjoying now this week. I think if we the convention is over. I think if we expand our definition of Gen Con to the, okay. pre, to the pre-parties, the best thing that oh, either one of us ate. Oh, we did go to the garage. Was the Cuban Reuben at the garage? There's a the garage is like this food hall is what they call it. Imagine a food court that has no chain restaurants and a lot of delicious international food, and it's more of a fee, it feels a little more food truck like in that there's all these little food stands in one central building, but it's got a roof over it. It's all seasons, lots of big tables if you want to play games, and there was a Whiz Kids event in partnership with what is apparently a board game night they do there every tuesday i mean we couldn't Mm -hmm. be there right now because it's a tuesday we're here we're Mm -hmm. here though we're gonna go back it was really nice and uh yeah one of the stands they have a a lobster roll place a pizza place um brazilian street food arepas uh indian food and we got cuban rubens which were fantastic choice yeah yeah nice so you've eaten inside the convention center, outside the convention center. Yeah. Um, what did you bring with you? You said breakfast was a no-go yeah. for that week. What did you bring to get you through the day? Last year, we had a lot more of a focused, prepared effort on snacks. Let's this, be fair. Kelly had a lot more oh, of a focused, prepared effort on snacks. Well, and I, I think we all did that. Okay. that we, yeah, that they much, listened to the show. Yeah, that, yeah. that was kind of obvious. But yeah, this year, not so much. I kind of just, one, we were sharing more meals with other friends there, which we didn't do as much in the previous years, and our schedule wasn't quite as tight overall. So it was easier nice. for us to have an extra hour to actually be able to go get something to eat. But there was a snack exchange. Well, through his Discord, organized this snack exchange where you could bring snacks from wherever else you may have come from, bring them to the BIPOC lounge, and then enjoy those snacks, kind of swap things out. So we did a little bit of that, took some snacks there, I, I think the the best snack there was provided. There was, was authentic German chocolate was provided by one of the snack exchange participants. Yeah, yeah. We there oh, was uh, nice. 
We took some Old Bay goldfish. Those went over really well. Which I think those went over pretty well. And then like, you know, candy, gum, stuff like that. Now, quick question here. And this may seem completely off the wall. Did you happen to meet any important people, possibly very important people, about any specific food items? We were at the AEG Big Game Night. We were mm-hmm. enjoying playing the four different games they had there. And as that kind of wrapped up, because you kind of you just get paired up in groups of four if you didn't come with a group of four. So we got paired with a nice couple, played games with them, had a lovely time. They were from Michigan. And uh, right before they left, we were all we finished our games. They're kind of packing up. And I noticed that the guy's name tag said uh, VIP of pizza. He had his regular badge, then another badge that said VIP of pizza. And I said, before you go, why why are you the VIP of pizza? And apparently there's a competition from Hotbox every year pizza has to like create the ingredients of the main themed pizza. And he was the, uh, he was the winner of the contest. Yeah. He was the one who created the queen's hambit. He said he didn't give it that name. They gave it that name. And in doing so, I don't know if he got like a free badge. I don't really know everything that comes with the contest, but he did have these tokens, which got him free pizza and breadsticks. And no line, no wait. I think no line, no wait. I'm not sure if they he truly he didn't have to wait in line. He didn't have to wait yeah. in line. He just showed up and said, I'm the VIP of pizza. And, Thank you very and much. Slide him Hand slice. it over. And he gives him oh. a gold token. It's a good gig if you can get it. There's nothing I want more in life than one of those tokens. He was worried about his pants fitting on the journey back, I think. I mean, if you're just getting free pizza, and the pizza was basically a Cubano. Yeah, it's a it cu- was Cubano ham, pizza. There was pork and ham, uh, mustard, and pickles on yeah. it. Oh, nice. And I don't think the was sauce was normal sauce. I don't think it was, it was a red sauce. sauce. I think it's yeah, barbecue sauce. It was pretty good. Now, I took that. <laughs> the one time I went out, we the first day we went to uh, the block parties, what they call it, where all the food trucks and things are, and we got something from a catering company that neither of us, it was fine, but not great. The only other time we went out there, we got this, uh, I got pizza and breadsticks like right when they set up. So there was, there was no line. It was as if I was the VIP of pizza. They did charge us though. They, yeah, I didn't have any gold tokens. And I went back inside with the pizza and just walked the event hall with the pizza. And this is the second time that I walked around inside with pizza. You can take food kind of wherever. Like we said, there's people serving like they're actually serving food indoors in all kinds of places so it's not like you can't move about with food and drink so i took that back inside and was walking through the hall on sunday i got so many comments from people about the pizza that i was like walking around and carrying like hey is that slice for me and oh that looks great what i understood was everyone wishes they had the idea to just bring pizza in before they were already in there they were all very hungry The other time that I walked around with pizza was last year. So last year at the Dice Tower show, they, you know, they did like a top 10. This year it was an award show. Um, So last year when we went, I saw someone who had just brought in a full meal. I just brought in like a burger and fries and a drink. And I was like, that guy knows what's up. So this year I wanted to be that guy. So before we went to the Dice Tower Awards... I got a slice of pizza from the just little convenience stand inside of the convention center. I got 1.8 bratwurst. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And I, uh, last year when I walked into the Dice Tower, I had my camera open and running. And Tom stands at the door and like, he was fist bumping, I think, last year. I think this year he was handshaking. 
fist bumps everybody. So last year I recorded as I went by him and being the consummate professional that he is, he reacted to the camera positively. This year when I came in, I did not fist bump or handshake. I was just holding pizza and he was like, that's it right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. So um, let's uh, let's dive into the Dice Tower Awards a little bit if we can, because that's a pretty exciting event. So how how'd the, how'd you guys enjoy it? What happened? I really enjoyed the event, but I, I, I told Kelly this and we talked about it. Like there were parts of it where the production quality was incredibly high. Like it starts off with a song that's basically like a I am the very model of a modern major general. That thing. Yeah. Oh, nice. They did a parody of it that was all about the games of the year that were nominated. Yeah. Very and, well oh, done by Eric fun. Summer did it. Um, who is a professional, like he reads audiobooks. Uh great job. Oh. It was absolutely it was really delightful. Good. And then there were other parts of it that were sort of like I, I mean, I, I think I can say this without being insulting. It's just uh -oh. it's, it's a it's a it's a He's about to be insulting. It's an organization. There were other parts that throwback is oh it wasn't like a now, fully scripted award show right now kelly it'd be really funny in, yeah. in production if if you when when he says that if you just bleep all of it out like he's just <laughs> saying a tremendous amount of obscenities so it'd through. be a real funny way to do that yeah, look into so, it. i don't want to offend anybody but then just yeah <laughs> uh, so the i thought seeing the different design like a, a bunch of people from the the game companies came which well, i was impressed by yeah let's rewind a touch like i was saying that they usually do a top 10 and this time they did their award show they wanted to present mm -hmm. it kind of like a modern regular award show i mentioned that to a family member like oh i'm gonna go to the dice tower awards and they were like oh i suppose there are awards for board games like they just hadn't considered like yeah that makes sense so they right. were trying to i think bring a little more weight uh i believe on stage tom said that it was gen con's idea to do the awards there that also meant that when you walked the halls later people who had won the awards had it over the game at yeah. the booth so you could kind of see what had oh, won an award it makes total sense but in doing that it still wasn't a full-on like oscar show but I think they did a nice job. Yeah, I think it was very entertaining and yeah. very fun. And because usually if you've ever watched the Dice Tower Awards before on YouTube, they do it, I think, during like one of their spectaculars. I'm not sure which season. And the winners will like record something and then that will be put into the show. So they'll be at whatever offices or whatever that they regularly work and they'll record some kind of acceptance speech. They had circle tables in the front for the different publishers to be sitting there and come up and accept their awards and give a little bit of a speech. So I feel like it was the first step towards that being a more regular, not formal in that you'd have to dress up to go, but formal in the sense of what you would expect from bigger productions, from more established yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah, and I absolutely. thought, yeah, overall, it was it was very, very good. There were points of it that I was like, oh, that, like, it was almost too good at points for the other parts to be as, as you know. Yeah, one of the things that, I think it's Jason Levine that reads it. I'm not sure. That could be someone else. But anyways, um, when they're coming up to accept the award, you know how uh, you'll have this voiceover on professional award shows broadcast oh, sure. ones that say like this is the third nomination for da -da -da, and they've won this like oh, that yeah. kind of yeah. little voice well he did that but he was trying to put so many facts in and it's true about the dice tower awards when you listen to them when you watch them online in previous years i think sometimes that's very long but having a live audience you get that live feedback so he was going listing more and more accolades of these people and you kind of heard the crowd like you know, laughing or groaning or becoming restless. And then the next time he had the long list, he's like, 
And I guess I won't say these because no one wants to hear them. But it's sort of like, I think it is kind of good. One of the publishers who had like 15 awards, he was trying to read them all. I think it is kind of good that you, that's the thing about live shows, live events. I'm sure that's true about live comedy. Like you get that feedback right away about what is and is not working. So I think them doing it live is going to make it get better faster because they're going to get that kind of feedback that you might not really get through comments or thumbs on YouTube. I especially oh, enjoyed, sure. and, and then just as a side note, this is about the awards and not about the awards show. I especially enjoyed the uh, the awards that focused on the small publishers, the new publishers, or the new designers, because you got to see like newer folks for whom the Dice Tower Award is probably more impactful. You know, I think if Asmodee wins a wins a Dice Tower Award, it's like, yeah, great, one, one more one more sticker on our boxes. But but some of the folks, it was it was it seemed very impactful and that was fun. Oh, that's cool. What can I ask? What was the award? There were many awards. There was awards. Well, no, 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 no. What was the actual oh, trophy? I'm sorry. Blue, it was a. It blue, looked like their logo. Yeah, blue foam. Di- it was foam. Oh. It was I don't think it was plastic. foam because they said it's heavy. Oh, so it was a very nice looking blue castle. And I'd say it was, it was about shade? a foot. Wow. <laughs> I'd say it's about a foot tall ish, and maybe six full five six inches yeah. wide. Like it. So it's a good size. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's yeah, not like a small I, trophy. It's kind of more like a bludgeoning weapon. Nice. So uh, so you did the awards. I know there were a handful of other events you guys focused on mm-hmm. during our time there. So last year, I believe you talked about this event as well. And I want to bring this up. The Tai Chi sword was like a... Explain that. Because you did it last year too, right? 100%. Everyone should do it. Except it's, don't because the room is small. And it's I want to excellent. Do it again. Yeah, the guy does it every year. He takes, uh, or he has now, these uh, PVC pipe that's been uh, covered and decorated to look basically like a sword. It has a little bit of a grip at the bottom, and it's silver on the top. You do Tai Chi-style movements, but you have a sword the whole time. So you're kind of doing mm-hmm. like this basic sword routine. And once you do it all, you kind of go through all of it, and you'll end where you began. So you can do it in a loop. And he teaches the it's a class of people, I think, it probably limits it about 20 or 25 people maybe were in the room. We had a smaller room this year, which was a little tough because we're all trying to move around with these. The swords are maybe a couple feet tall, so they're not like full length swords, but we're still all trying to move around back and forth and do the movement. So it was a little tight. He said that he has an advanced class that you can only go to if you've already done the beginning class, which wow. we'll definitely have to do next time. We couldn't fit into our schedule this time once we heard about it. Um, but it's great. And that's one of the things I like about the events at Gen Con. You might assume, okay, games, tabletop RPGs, things related to that. There's also things like this that are adjacent to all of that that are really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. And and also kind yeah, of that, peaceful and delightful. Oh, so nice to like be very chill and very in the moment and just slow down because things get so fast and hectic. It definitely like calms you down. I, Honestly, if there was just a morning class every morning, I would probably uh, do it every day. I might do it every day. Yeah. It, it's one of the best skills I've learned is to like square breathe <laughs> for people that know that. Yeah. Like like in the middle of a concert, in the middle of whatever, just like, you know what? I can feel I'm getting real, you know, hyped up and just center yeah. for a moment. So that's cool they offer that. I know you guys spent quite a quite a bit of time in the hot games room, correct? Yeah. Oh, I recommend it for hot everyone. Games. I think I think it's better than the Gen Con library overall because it's not so far away. If you are really trying to play some of those older titles you might find in the Gen Con library that you won't find in the Hot Games room, that might be the place where Gen Con isn't necessarily the best place for that. The 
two best things I can say about the hot games room is mm-hmm. both years we've done it a couple times or the last two years we've done it a couple times mm-hmm. and we have purchased games that we played there that we didn't intend to purchase mm-hmm. and we have not purchased games that we played there that we intended to purchase. Yeah. And that's the advertisement for the hot games room. Yeah. It lets you try out things. It, and now there's no one there to demo the game for you or teach the game for you. It is more like a smaller, it's like you're going into a mini convention, but the only games there are the newest games from this convention. Yeah. You're in a, oh, nice. you're in a room in the Hyatt. That's where it's been both years. It could be somewhere different next year. It's a good size room. They probably have yeah. uh, not a hundred yeah. tables, yeah, imagine but a, a lot a of tables. for 300 people. It's that size of a ballroom. Yeah, yeah, that seems about right. And you just walk up, you take the game you want, you you check it out. And really the checking out is just for them to be able to tell the publishers like how much was your game used here. And then I think that incentivizes them to give copies the next year and the year after for the hot games room. So we usually do, for that same reason, end up playing more smaller games than big, than yeah. super big ones. You get sessions there two hours at a time. They book them like every hour. So you can do back-to-back sessions. It's $2 per person per per two hours. So a dollar an hour to come in and play all the hottest games. The Gen Con library, I think, is like $40 for a weekend pass, something like that. So it's still a very good rate, but I think it's best if you have a whole group of people who all get the pass all weekend, and then you can all go out there and play stuff. If it's just like you by yourself, you then kind of have to find other people there at the library who have also gotten the pass to play with. So mm. there is a little bit of looking for players, but they don't have it set up quite as well as that. Yeah, I feel like in the future I could leave that because we're yeah. buying a bunch of games. We we there's other places to open play. Yeah, the hot games room ends up they have hot they have new games at the Gen Con library as well. And I think in both cases, because of how big our home library is now. That's more what we're looking to play there. We have more than enough at home that we don't have anything rivaling the Gen Con library, but we have enough games that that's not necessarily what we're looking to do there. Okay, so for you guys, the hot games room far Mm -hmm. outweighed the Gen Con library. Maybe somebody that really liked a game and didn't have to go play with, though, that would be a good option for them. I did hear that there was open gaming. I can't remember. I don't know. the JW. The JW. Okay, so there's open gaming at the JW. And that was just like more of what you, I didn't go, but I heard about it. More of what you might see at a smaller board game convention where people are just gaming. Uh, they're looking for players. There's a way to signify that, like a little cone or a flag. Uh, uh, if you want someone to come teach you the game, you can put that out. And someone who knows the game might just walk by and teach you. We also heard that there were uh, games in development where the designers were taking them over to the open gaming and then looking for players. So you could even go there oh. and play test a game without going through the, what's it called? First exposure. Without going through first exposure play test event, which otherwise you have to like get a ticket for or wait in a queue to try to play test those games. You could just walk up and do it. Oh, that's pretty nice. And I will say it's been a few years since I've been to Gen Con now, but the play testing, this first exposure play test, which I don't think they called it when I was there, but like, it's super fun. One of my favorite rooms to go into, to be able to test something. And a lot of times with the person that made the game as yeah. they're teaching it to you, there is something, I don't like to use the word magic very often, but you know what? I'm going to do it. Magic is what it is. <laughs> did, you, so. 
Did you did you test with Richard Garfield? I did not, boy. <laughs> if only that would have been a day. Yeah, I, so I, you guys did some of that too, right? Yeah, we 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 did not as much this year as we've done in the past years. It was it's very fun. I agree. Like it's super fun to have a question about the rules and then have the literal person who made the game sitting to your left. Like there's no discrepancy. And I feel like for me, the the delight isn't in that. It's not in just the that it is the designer. I like that they are still forming this idea a little bit and seeing how different people choose to play it. So I think being part of that process where it's still coming together and through your play, you can be sort of impacting uh, and improving the finished product for them and giving them feedback. The more that we've played games, the more games that we see, the more I feel like I might have valuable feedback to give to them. And I think that's that's true, but it's also true if no one's played a game before at all, they also have valuable feedback to give to them. Their right. opinions are are as valid as mine are. So yeah, I think that's the part that I like is that you're seeing it before it's really done and you're helping them to make the best thing that they can. For sure. When I did it, I know at least on one of the games, there was like a promotional item as well. So when the game mm. got released, I think only the people that play tested had this okay. one thing oh. and i was like oh that's nice that's a super cool and it really sinks you into wanting to get the game because mm -hmm. you have this part of it already like it was a super smart move i really enjoyed that i think that one of the games we play tested one year they took our names down and would like we if that game ever made it to be published which i don't think it has been we would be listed in the in the in the rule book which is cool oh, oh really yeah as play that's testers awesome. that is a thing yeah. sometimes you do see that in rule books yeah Really cool. Yeah, I highly recommend it to anybody that hasn't done it yet. I think we're all on board for that being a very cool part of the Gen Con experience. Also, a really cool thing at Gen Con is um, they've got lots of non-game specific things. And acapella with the elites you guys talked about a little bit here. Why don't you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, this is the second year we've gone to the show. It's a local group. They're from, I think, Mooresville, Indiana. And they always just come up, do a little show at Gen Con, always on the same day. Is that Thursday? Yeah, it's always They always, always do it on Thursdays. And they do kind of uh, geek, nerd, adjacent media, usually. So video games or TV shows and movies. And they just do an acapella concert. Yeah, there's a couple of fun things in there. They do a Tetris. They do the Tetris song, and they have someone like play Tetris on felt in front of you while they uh -huh, do it. They pass and the then pieces as they sing. They pass pieces between each other with oh, their with their fun. hands. And they go faster, yeah, and faster and faster while they're doing it. Yeah, yeah so that's pretty fun. So yeah, year over year, it's some of the same kind of jokes and songs, but it's still just like an enjoyable and another soothing kind of thing to do that early in the convention. Nice. And yeah. like, because I think another thing that is maybe similar but different is there's a magic show yeah. also there that is not game specific, mm -mm. but game related. Yeah, he has a, uh, I think there's a Rubik's Cube trick that he did. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, Rubik's Cube trick he did differently this year, and it was, I think, more fun. There's some mentalism about your favorite board game that he does yeah. as well. Oh. Yeah, and then there's some other card tricks that I don't think really have any necessary like Gen Con theming to them. But it's just a, it's a nice kind of chill show. It's not like a big, uh, flashy magic show. It's a more of kind of a chill vibe magic show. Yeah. And then he also does, okay. uh, it's connected to Magic for a Cause, I believe is what it's called, which is a charity organization that like helps give magic kits to kids, things like that. 
Oh, which is great. And yeah. that's not big and flashy, but I'm guessing big game night might be big. I would have liked it to be even more flashy. It was not. Oh. Yeah, I'd like it to be more flashy. I, I left there thinking, no, we don't need to do this again. I might do it one more year. I think it's put on by AEG, AEG Big Game Night. And what I knew about it going in was that you play new AEG games and you get to take AEG games home with you. But it's not like you're literally buying the game. You buy a ticket for the event, you get whatever you may get, and then you get to play these games. Um, I've heard that the volunteers at the event get the demo copies because they have to open a whole bunch of games for this big game night. So if you're oh, volunteering, awesome. you get a stack of these demo copies. We both went, which, mean, which means we got double copies. So there was inherently going to be games for us to give away or give to someone so else. We, we essentially got big town, which is what happens when you combine two, two little towns. Two tiny towns. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh. Okay. They did give away. Uh, and again, giveaway. Did you pay for it? It's hard to say. The tickets, I think the ticket was 30 $38. But was is that right? Yeah, I mean, I looked at it several times. Oh, all right. I was, it was, okay. it was, it was, it so was for $38, not only did you get hot dogs, right? He's on. <laughs> Actually, not... I think, I think for that amount, I could have gotten, I don't know, I don't know the math. Not only did you get uh, Tiny Towns, Number Drop, and Waffle Time, which Waffle Time, I think, was the newest release there. We also played Waffle Time, Number Drop, as well as Deep Dive and Shake That City. Shake we... That City was really cool. We should buy it. We have it. I keep forgetting. <laughs> so it turns out that we had two of the games. So they were on Kickstarter. So we already had two of the games mm -hmm. that they had at the table. But in our situation, luckily, those weren't the two that they were giving away. Yeah, because then we would have had. But I think overall, like as far as the crowd was concerned, they would have rather gotten some of those than what was actually and i know i mean tiny towns is good but it, it kind of feels like when you get two of the four there it's like well i already learned and played all four of these it would kind of be cool to just get the ones i learned and played worked out for yeah. us but maybe not for other people yeah, and i think like right i know that the point is to go and play board games so you might not want a bunch of distractions but i was expecting some programming like yeah, i thought there were gonna be like, like other random giveaways or prize packages or even just i don't know Something else happening at big game night, but it was really just there the was games. no food and beverage available for on offer. No, that would have been nice too. Some snacks, even like popcorn, you know? Yeah. Something like that. Mm. No. So it wasn't disappointing. It was over in Lucas Oil. Oh, Aaron. Okay, sorry. It was disappointing for Aaron. I thought it was fine. It was over in Lucas Oil. We just were over there for the library anyway. And we thought, well, we'll just head up over to Big Game Night. It was in like one of the Special room? What was that room? It was like the, the suite for fancy cub, cult, not cubs, cult attendees. Okay. So, so it's like a, it's, it was a special room for... It's like the Fager. I figured it used to be... It's branded by somebody it's, who it, sponsored it. It's a law it. firm. So some law firm that sponsored it. And it's like there's concession stands in there, but there were no concessions on offer. There's lots of tables. It's kind of two floors up along one side yeah. sort of of the... It's like a small section of Lucas Oil, which is gigantic. But there was a huge line just waiting to go in. But it wasn't like there was any reason to be even in, in early line. So no. I think I don't know how different it is from years before. I don't know how it will be going forward. I would like to try to go to it at least one more time and see. How else would we have met the VIP of pizza? Exactly. That is where oh, we play games with the fair. VIP of pizza. Yeah. So how can we how can we really complain? Right. First time it should be the VI pizza, I feel like. Just the you know. But then he's the very important pizza. He made the pizza. He made the pizza. Yeah, but okay. Was, <laughs> so, 
Um, so we talked, Kelly, you and I on our review or our preview of these games yeah. about Catan soccer. We had very different views of this. Right. What about Catan soccer? We didn't actually go to the event. We we went to the BIPOC lounge. I think we were meeting Ruel for something. And then Aaron had played a game with him there. We had this Catan soccer event at three, I think. And we were gonna mosey on down there. We were a little late, but we wanted to get some food. And we thought, well, it'll probably still be okay. And uh, one of the people that we were, had been playing games with there was... Alex's mom. So might I suggest a game? It's another channel that uh, does what exactly what it, it sounds like. And her, his mom was there. And just for that day came down to like, she was there maybe Thursday and Friday. And she was also eating and just started talking with us. And we just stayed and talked with uh, Alex's mom for quite some time. And it was sort of like, eh, we, we were okay with missing the Catan soccer event. It was a learn to play. So we would have played the whole game. But that's kind of one of the things we talked about in our before episodes and mm -hmm. our getting ready episodes where sometimes things come up and you kind of have to decide, like, do I want to keep doing this and kind of keep interacting with this person, meeting them, chatting with them. We were having a nice time um, in, and go ahead and just cancel, so to speak, on the events that you have planned, being able to kind of go with the flow of the day a little bit. So we didn't go to Catan soccer, but we did see it on the floor later in the week. So we do know a little yeah. bit about it. And my, my thoughts were, eh. He was happy to miss it. You replaced the desert and one other tile yeah, with we, soccer fields. Weed or sheep. And then you have two of the players that are playing oppose each other on each of those fields, and it changes every round, so every it, set of turns. So it's only four players because you have to have two oppositions. And then when the robber would get rolled otherwise... Um, you still do that, but then you also do like soccer. If you have a settlement, then you get to roll this little ball dice. Well, I kick. think the soccer happens anyway, but yeah, if you have settlements there, you, you get, get to more. add more kicks and then you're trying to win the soccer. Adam could not be more disappointed in this. And, and so it's everything he expected and knew would be bad. I agree. I, I agree with you, Adam. And like the person who's winning the soccer overall, which basically just means score the most goals. Uh, has three points and it's ridiculous because that's a huge number of points. In yeah. That game. And, and they, they don't change the, the, it's still 10 points. You're still playing at 10 points. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah. I was not sold to begin with, honestly, the rest of it's just details. Yeah. You do get other things as you progress on that soccer track. You can get development cards. You can get resource cards. I kind of think that I like the idea of Catan being so baseline that you just throw in other things on top of it and also play that. Um, I think that usually for a game to be able to do that and still be like functional, it does show that that game is like locked down a solid baseline. There are other expansions and things you can get for Catan. We don't do a lot of Catan scenarios, but that is a thing. Soccer is by not the only one that, to do that. So I thought it was zany, but like, could it be kind of a fun themed time, especially if you're a soccer fan, maybe you're playing in soccer season around a big game anyway, you can kind of pretend like they're the teams in the big game, you know, like, I think it could be cute. I don't know how much it was. It didn't seem to be much of an add on at all. Like the things that you got with it to do it 
would not take no. up a box. It's like an envelope of stuff. You, you, they make it for $6.20. It's $6? I, no, I don't know. Oh, you have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know how it comes. Like, it doesn't even look like something that would come in a box, per se. So, right. yeah, we're not suddenly getting it, but we're also very rarely playing Catan. If you're playing it a lot, like throwing in the soccer one every now and again seems fine to me. Yeah. Talk to me about abstract free play. How's it different than other free play? Uh, you go to abstract free play, you meet someone who's not Kelly, and then you just play games with them for a long time and Kelly I mean, the leaves. The same game and Kelly does leave. That is accurate. That That is what happened. It, it was, was fun, though. at, was it Hachette? But I don't know what the yeah. actual publisher of those games were. Like Corridor, Koale, uh, Quarto. I think that and, was it. Just three games. No, there was four. It was... Uh, I, we play, I played Corridor with a stranger who ended up, he had not played before, I had not played before, and then we were like relatively equally matched in terms of skill level, and it was, yeah. it was quite fun. I played once, yeah. and then I offered to the gentleman, would you like to play the winner? Because Aaron beat me, and he was like, sure. And then I watched them play one game, and then they started to play another game, and I'm like, well, I think I'll see myself out. And I just right. kind of wandered around for a bit. But yeah, there was, it was, I don't know what, that guy there won the award for, but it, oh, yeah. we recognized him from the Dice Tower Awards, the guy that was actually working there on behalf of the publisher. And he was going around, he was a French guy, and mostly saying snarky comments to the people that were playing. It was very funny. Which, that was kind of fun. If I had known that <laughs> more fully, I might have just stayed to hear him criticize in a amiable French way what everyone was doing. Yeah, I think at one point he was giving my opponent some advice and my opponent was like, you know, I don't think that's quite right. I think this is going to work. And he goes, you will learn by losing. <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> but he's in like a French accent, yeah. which made it, you know, a little more whatever. Somehow but more acceptable. Yeah, the, I watched some people, I was seeing the end of their Koale game and he, they were kind of talking about it and they're like, oh, I think we're done. Because I think maybe it can end in like a draw. And he said to them, like, oh, you know what your issue is here? You are um, noobs. Is yeah. that, is that oh. it? <laughs> and they were like, okay. And it's like, you could have won and you didn't see it. He told me, he told me, he's like, you were playing well, but you were lacking some several tricks. Oh. He's like, you were lacking oh. several of the tricks. Like, okay. Interesting. Nice. I was lacking all of them. I left. <laughs> I, I wanted to buy Corridor, but then I also was like, oh, Kelly's not playing this game with me. No, no. Just the once was fine. And it was, it was abstract free play. So the, they were all these abstract games. It's a whole line of games start with Q. Um, they were also big. So it wasn't the regular size board. It was like all the boards were maybe not three feet, imagine, probably two feet imagine, by two feet. Imagine a cocktail wow. table. And then, where the, yeah, like a cocktail table size. Like if your whole table was the mm -hmm. game. And that's kind of how these look because they are abstract. They look a little bit sculptural. But uh, I don't believe any of those were for sale. It wasn't like an offering they had. You could just come and play with their giant displays of these abstract games. And now I think some of those, I don't know, maybe all of them are on BGA. So, yeah. Oh, that's nice you get a big screen they can be as big as you want that's true our next segment is going to be kind of more of a rapid fire I'm yeah throw some like i want to know what your your favorites in some certain categories were so um aaron best booth what do you like when you're seeing there's a place that i buy a t-shirt every year called mm -hmm. the shrieking eels it was no the place is not called the shrieking eels i buy a shrieking no. eels princess bride t-shirt it's called the greek orthodox favorite nope. booth geek orthodox it's called geek orthodox they're yes. not greek they are geeks yes. that's it it's my favorite kelly uh best booth 
I did not have an answer so fast. Now, I think this year, only because I got swept into it and just went with the deal momentum and had a great time, uh, would be the 3WS booth because um, I'm just walking by. I'm admiring the art that they have on like the kind of created cloth walls that you see at conventions. And the guy was like, would you like to learn about mission control? And he was in a full on NASA style jumpsuit. And I was like, sure. Why else am I here? So he right. takes me into the little booth, walks me through a demo of the game, which is it sounds like he definitely has like a tight speech about like how each piece of this works. I follow him around to the different stations because it's a game where everyone's doing something different. And then he's like, and if you proceed over there, you'll be able to buy the game for this price. And we have all these extras. And I'm like, great. That sounds that sounds wonderful. I go over there. They're like, what bag color would you like? I pick the blue bag. They put it all in there. And then they tell me a price that's more than I want to pay. And I'm like, well, all right. And I just bought it anyway. But I really liked the bag. I thought I was getting like getting a game I thought I would like and a bag that apparently I have now. But now I feel like I got a bag that I love and a game that I guess I have now. Would you say it's your best find that bag? Ooh, maybe last year there was uh, I felt like there were more deals that kind of finds. This year, I didn't really have any crazy good deals. I got a game that was more expensive last year for only $10. It was like $40 maybe last year, $30. And it was at the company's booth for only $10. And then I got to pay in cash, which the guy just took the cash and I could walk away instead of getting in the line. That was cool. I was able to get Sky Team, which was a little hard to come by. You had to come first thing in the morning in order to get a copy of that. Um... But I think overall, if that bag was just a little sturdier, like that would by far be the best find. The only thing I'm concerned with now is because it's ultimately a promotional item, they didn't make it as sturdy as I would have liked because I would like to carry this bag most places. Yeah, that's fair. Aaron, what about you? What'd you get that was your favorite thing? So I'm going to, I'm going to go with two best finds. It does say best finds plural in the notes. So I feel like that's oh, fine. Okay. Uh, infiltrators oh, is a game. I asked best find singular, but go Listen, on. I'm reading the notes. Uh, I, I, uh, we got infiltrators and I, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's a good find because it was a really fun deduction game yeah. that was from a super small publisher. That yeah, was really Chinese easy, publisher. easy for us to miss. Yes. Um, so that was a great find. And then, you know, I think the next game we got for $3 and I think one that almost immediately qualifies it as a good find but I, it's an odd it's a game that has an audacity and i love it so there's a game called the game which is audacious oh. in its own right but then the people who made the game made another game and it's called wait for it the game quick and easy so they made two <laughs> games called the game and we got the second one the game quick and easy for three dollars great find fun game it is uh kelly and i talked about this you and i have not talked about this i play the game app a lot on my phone. It's regularly oh. a thing I play. And I've not played the quick and easy, but I play the full version fun weekly. Game. Yeah, fun game. Yeah. Yeah, um, great fine. So, so you're in these rooms, you're playing these different games. What's the best demo you played while there? Um, I like to define a good demo as a demo that basically gets me to buy something I wouldn't have bought. And we went up and we played this demo of Klondice. 
Oh yeah. With a gentleman, and he basically was like, "Hey, you guys want to demo this?" And I was like, oh, "Not really, but let's go." Oh. <laughs> I don't really like being demo too. You didn't say that to the man. No, there. I didn't. I didn't say that to the man. No. I was like, "Sure." I love being demo too. The game's already set up. You just stroll in. Somebody already has a prepared speech for you. But some of them are bad, and I'm just anticipating them. To, but this guy did. I'm a great not job. as judgmental as you. Maybe yeah, that's the I'm difference. A, I'm a little. It's, are they okay. Jade? Yeah, it's Jaden. He just gives us a demo of one sixth of this game, and the game kind of makes sense for you to do that. It's this push your luck dice rolling game. Um, he dice was, are very shiny. He was the dice are very shiny. He was very interactive. He was rooting for us and against us, and and was mm-hmm. was making good jokes. And he was like, "Do you want to copy?" And we're like, "You know what? Yeah, yeah." So we got nice. dice. fun fun game. Uh, best demo. I feel like if I I'm trying to think, was there a demo of a game that I got? Because I didn't do as many of them, especially those sort of quick demos. Because you mm. can have some demos that are basically the whole game. Like you sit down in the booth and really play it. Right. I don't know that this year, did I get a demo of anything that I didn't just buy? I mean, oh, I you guys I'm a bit of demos. a pushover. Yeah. That's why I don't like getting demos. Oh. Oh. That explains it. Okay. Anything else you guys ran into? People, places, things that you think are noteworthy that you put like at a best? bump into see experience throughout this four days i think it's always surprising that you can still just bump into people when uh, this year there were seventy thousand people so it's you kind of imagine there's so many people yes it is possible i heard i went back to work and uh at the first meeting of the day people were just you know like catching up like they do and some of us had been out on pto and then we found out that everyone was just at gen con didn't see him at all so there are people oh, that nice. from work and people that not even that work locally, people that I work with that traveled into Indy that were at Gen Con had no idea. They were also there. Um, I saw some uh, previous coworker just just walking past, didn't arrange anything, just walking past in the hall of thousands of people and tons of rows just walked past somebody that, you know, so that's always kind of fun to just like walk, encounter someone, even Jason who was not like we weren't on the same schedule as he was running with the same groups that he was. He kind of has a Gen Con group that he goes around with. And so sometimes just walking past and seeing him was also like, Hey, not a stranger when you're surrounded by so many strangers. Um, And I think we also spent a lot of time with people that I have like seen online, hang out with in streams, things like that. And just deepening those relationships and being able to play games with them or share meals with them was just excellent. And then starting to already make plans like, well, you're going to the next convention. Like now you have someone you're looking forward to seeing different groups you're looking forward to playing with again and almost like daring each other to go to the next convention. Like, oh, if you're going to go, then I'm going to go. I don't know if I'm going to go, but let me know if you go because then I'm in. So it was that was really good. So those kind of encounters, not only the ones that are completely random meeting people passing by people like the way that we met the VIP of pizza. It's oh, also how's that not one of the answers for sure. Right. You also see if you're into board game content creation, you see a lot of those people walking around. Like we would walk past people and I watch m- much more of that than Aaron does. So we'd walk past someone and I'd be like, they're on YouTube. Like they're, they do this, they do that. I watch their streams. And I'm like, that's in, in a sense, like, okay, yes, they are just another regular person. But they, uh, the frequency with which you see them, and it's not like, I think I said this before, those people could be like in their own secluded areas behind whatever, but like the Dice Tower guys who maybe if you're into board games, you've watched all year talk about all kinds of things. 
they're just on the floor. They're also just working shifts in their booth. So if you're right. the kind of person who would like, I don't so much want to really come up and introduce myself. Like, I think that that's maybe kind of nice for me. And I know they say they like it, but I always feel like, what am I really going to say? Like, I've been watching you, you know, like for me, it's just an awkward kind of exchange because I've spent so much time with them and yet they've spent zero hours with me. So yeah. it's not like everybody that I'm trying to do that with, but they are all there also enjoying the convention. And at no point when I saw them stopped or chatting with someone, did they seem as though that was an inconvenience? I think for a lot of them, they don't experience any kind of notoriety when they're going through their normal life. So it's one a bit, it's probably a bit of a pain, but it's also rewarding because so much of that content creation, you're just making it and putting it out there and people comment or whatever. But to see them face to face, I think does end up being pretty rewarding. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, I um, I heard this on a podcast years ago, and where the, the host of the podcast said, "Every single person that listens knows more about this podcast and about me oh, than I know about me." Yeah, because I'm not listening to this. Yeah, they're listening every week. They, it's a different impact level on those things. So the, it, it's reiterating the point you're making about yeah. it is a very one sided relationship on that. And it's mm-hmm. good to just remember that when you interact, because if you say, Oh, do you remember three years ago when you did this? No, no. of course they don't. <laughs> They're making all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So. My random encounter wasn't, I, I don't think it was, it qualifies as random, but the encounter that I want to talk about is we, we were hanging out in the BIPOC lounge and Shay from RF RTFM uh, was there. And it was kind of cool because he does all the twilight Imperium videos. Yeah. And I basically mm. got to say to him, hey, you helped me plan a bachelor party. Yeah, because that's, oh, that's one cool. that you guys talked about. It's not that many episodes back. Maybe it was in the 90s. You had a postmortem about your Twilight experience that you did for Jason's bachelor party. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about how, how that went. Uh, and then we got to play Namalia together. And yeah. uh, uh, surprising no one, uh, Shay is very good at games. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that, that's a cool moment to have with a person. So we're going to end on what probably is always the toughest question with something, which is, what is um, what's the best game of Gen Con? Oh, I I'm going to make Kelly upset with my answer. So Kelly, you go first. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> you that go. Preamble? Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna basically punt, and I'm gonna define the best game as the most revenue generating game, and Whoa, because okay. I think we need to talk about Lorcana on this podcast. Oh gosh, you're right. I guess I am kind of upset. It was very popular. <laughs> there were super long lines for it. People were reselling it online for double or more of what they paid for it. There were promo cards they were selling online that they I think got for free, reselling for. Hundreds, hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Some people may have gotten away with selling them for a, over a thousand dollars. And yeah, you're right. I do have very little patience for it. Gen Con is big enough that everyone can be all excited about something and you can have no part of it and still have a lovely time. So that's what I mm-hmm. like the most about it is that all of that going on didn't steal, didn't ultimately steal focus away or impact the things that I wanted to do there. I have no, you'll have, there's certainly, a Disney Lorcana podcast that you should be listening to instead of this one. If that's mm. what you're looking to know about. What's your uh... Kelly? Do you have any thoughts uh, now? Not about Lorcana. I'm kind of like, I'm already overhearing about it. No, but about the, the game, I like, is say, there like a defining game or anything? I would say that we talked about this a little bit, that one of the surprising ones that I got and liked was Penny Black. It looked like kind of nothing, but then seeing it in person, 
and seeing right. the uh, component quality was a uh, big and just seeing how the game actually like fit together, how it looked, how it played reminded me a lot of Shelfie Stacker. And I really like that one. Didn't expect to pick it up, but I'm kind of a sucker for a well-produced game. Um, and I think Aaron and I are in agreement that Sky Team and Infiltrators are two of our favorite ones from this year's Gen I mean, Con. To quote Kelly, while at the coffee shop playing Sky Team yesterday, best two-player game ever? Question mark? For Sky, Sky Team? Team? Yeah. And I, did I say that for... Did I say it for Sky Team or did I also say that for Infiltrators? Like, is this like one of our new favorite games? Well, I think Infiltrators might be one of our new favorite games. Sky Team, yeah. I think, is specifically two players and very good. Actually, I recommended that to a customer today and because they were like, oh, my wife and I, you went to this board gaming conference? That's crazy. My mm. wife and I want to find some two-player game that's not just like chess or Connect Four. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I'm gonna what, just a, what, a, you. what a wide ocean of games, right? Like, <laughs> not chess like, or Connect Four. Embrace yourself. I'm going to pick up a rock. And underneath that rock, I mean, you're never going to be able to look back. And he was like, great. So I, I have to put together an email for him tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. So overall, it sounds like it was a very positive uh, convention. Oh, definitely. We also found out afterwards, there was an article release that said Gen Con renewed their contract with Indianapolis to stay here until 2030. So we're yeah. very excited. And in that as well, there was sort of the caveat, the acknowledgement that it was a little bit uncertain whether they would actually keep extending it because Indiana has made some legislation that isn't exactly popular with the general opinion of Gen Con and its attendees. So Gen Con CEO, David, I'm not sure if it's Hop or Hope, it's H-O-P-P-E, uh, said that the passing of the bill that banned most abortions was going to have an impact on their stakeholders and attendees and make it more difficult for them to remain long-term in Indiana. That's what was said last year. This year, he said that they made a commitment, despite increasingly social conservative legislation, because the convention has a role and importance in Indianapolis and said it was important for us to stay and continue and keep our presence here as opposed to packing up and leaving, even if we disagree with some of the things that are happening politically. And I am like thrilled. I read that and told Aaron, like, I want to also send him a letter of thank you because it's because those things are happening here that we need that influence that we need to show too that it's good business because sometimes, unfortunately, it's dollars that convince people more than like actual human issues. It makes a ton of money for our state. They want to keep growing Gen Con and they found a deal with the way that the convention center is expanding as well to be able to keep growing Gen Con here in Indy. And I think it's so important to not just divide along lines and go to our separate corners and use that as a reason to not stay united as a nation. It's exposing ourselves to one another being close with one another, that we start to understand that we're not so different, that we don't need to be so opposed to one another politically or otherwise anyway. So absolutely thrilled that they will stay here at least through 2030. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. I'm excited to continue to be a an attendee. And I'll say my kind of closing thought from, from the con is I mentioned on the first day of the conference, like, oh, this is in our city. We've done it a couple of times. I could see us like scaling back to one or two days attendance instead of four day attendance. Then throughout the conference, this conference for us, while we did a lot of events and we were in the exhibit hall and we got kind of our fill of what Gen Con is, we also spent a lot of time 
with uh, people who we met either online or through other groups who, you know, started the convention as people we knew and ended the convention as people we would call friends. Mm -hmm. And I think it completely changes what Gen Con can be. And I left the con thinking, well, I'm doing this for four days every time because the community that you build up is, is very valuable. And of course, more important than any event you go to. Those are, those are also very fun. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think it's fair to say then that if we didn't see you there, we hope to see you there next year. And if we did see you there, we hope to see you there again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to episode 119. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, X, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We'll probably have one more episode that kind of covers Gen Con, and that will be a special Game of the Month style, but it'll just be from the end of our last Game of the Month until the end of Gen Con. We'll still talk about everything we played, what we're excited to get back to the table, what is already being added to the Culling Annex, and a Game of the Con for 2023. As we continue on after that, it'll probably be reviews on a lot of these games as they come off of our shelf of opportunity, which is pretty full. A lot of opportunity around me right now. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 118 more episodes headed your way. The next one being me and Adam talking about my Gen Con haul from this year. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. (laughs) 